we're finally back for another episode of Ladies First. I'm Corey. And I'm Elizabeth. And today we have a special guest with her, Sahar. Hi. She's back. Hi. Hey. It's lovely to have you back. Yes, it's been about a year, I think. <laughs> it hasn't been that long. It just seems like it's been that long. <laughs> okay. It seems like it's been that long. Okay. All right, so we have a very special topic for you today, and it's partially related to why we we missed a week, didn't we? And it wasn't just because I was on vacation. Um, yeah, we we missed a week. Um, like I think we should All right, just be so, real. Like, let's be real with them. Yeah, we. Ha- oh, with the reason why? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so the reason why. As we had talked about a couple of things the previous week because we usually get a couple of topics and then we narrow it down. And then we realized that everything that we wanted to talk about had either been talked to death or was old news. And we just said, you know what? We just don't have anything we want to do a show on. And the big part of that was that we realized that we are just really burning out on fandom right now. And... uh uh, we're starting to realize that this is definitely not an isolated isolated incident. Um, I've definitely seen a huge uptick in the people I follow on Twitter and Tumblr who are also very burned out on this sort of um, all-in type of fandom where you have to devote basically your entire life to the fight. It's 24-7 fight fandom, or should yeah. I say fight club? Is I mean, it almost feels oh like fight gosh. club at this point. Yeah. But see, we're not allowed to talk about fight club, so this is precisely the issue. <laughs> well, I yeah. mean, Fight Club also, you know, lots of toxic masculinity right. stuff, but, you know. Right, right. Fandom Fight Club, there we go. <laughs> so, um, you may have heard already, because this, like, one minute and 30 second clip caused quite a stir, um, but there's a show on the Cartoon Network called Gumball. And they made a little joke about a website called Rambler about uh, weaponized social justice Oh my god, I just got that joke. Yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) When you you hear it spoken out loud, you go, oh. (laughs) I know, I I just just got it the moment you said it. (laughs) Yeah, so anyway, so Gumball, uh, one of the protagonists of the show is essentially just talking to this other character about... Um, uh, the the other character sort of makes an innocent suggestion, but not, you know, the kind of suggestion that can feel somewhat passive-aggressive, and then the, the, the protagonist essentially immediately jumps down their throat. And this escalates into sort of a Dragon Ball Z-type fight with ridiculous weapons and that sort of thing. If you haven't seen the clip, we have a link to it here in the article for the podcast, and you are more than welcome to watch the best thing you've seen all week. Yeah, just pause this but, for a minute, go ba- go and watch it, and then unpause this. We're going to be here. Yeah, just like, it's like a minute and a half. But, I don't know, I just, I saw this, and I just felt it in the depths of my soul. I don't know about you guys. I felt that so hard, and I think it's what led us to this topic of, like, within our own fandom communities, there are... Mm-hmm some issues that we would like to discuss that kind of relate back to, I think, what is the crux of that clip. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Elizabeth and I, and I, I'm sure other people do too, but we like to dub fandom shenanigans sometimes as the discourse. 
<laughs> said with that ominous tone. Almost yeah, with always. finger quotes. The discourse with finger yeah. quotes. The discourse trademark. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and I, I think the reason we really want to talk about this is because how quickly we hit burnout. Because the last time we were talking, I think it was, we were really super excited about one day at a time. And we were all up in our feelings about that. And then yeah. it came time to do our next one. And I think we were going to be talking about Ray from Star Wars. And we, like Elizabeth and I at least, had just hit like absolute peak burnout. All that anybody wants to do is argue about whether or not Poe Dameron is the bad guy. And I'm sick of it. And, you know, it used to be I could go for months before I even approached burnout. And it happened to us this time in, like, a week. Yeah. And we're fandom veterans. We're fandom veterans, but also I am the kind of person who gets hyperfixations. When I get into something, I, like, fill a bathtub with it and bathe in it. (laughs) So the fact that I'm losing interest in things in weeks instead instead of years is actually a little alarming even to myself. Because this is out of character for me. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I don't want people to think that we're just specifically picking on, like, the women-loving women community. Every fandom has this, you know, like, a bully issue. And every subculture, you know, it has problems. But, you know, in the scope of this show, where we are ladies first, we wanted to talk about our specific fandom. And I think it's important that we talk about what's going on in our community. Um, you know, I know Especially Elizabeth... since it's been so alien. Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, especially since it's been so alienating lately. Like, yeah. it's hard to describe exactly, but, like, you know how high school movies categorize ca- or how they portray high school as being very clicky, and in the back of your mind, you're like, I don't remember it being quite this bad. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what fandom is starting to feel like to me now. The way that high schools are portrayed in films as they have discrete groups that do not interact with each other except to go to battle. That's what fandom is starting to feel like to me. I think we need to put fandom in dissension. <laughs> yeah. And make them yes. do like community service and figure our shit out. Yes, community service. <laughs> well, some kind of breakfast club, Power Rangers slash thing. I don't care. But I know like <laughs> we sound like three grumpy old women. I'm the oldest, and I'm only 33. Sahara's a baby compared to me. And it's just, I'm you're too me. damn young to be this tired of it. I know. Like, and it's, and like I said, it's been really a more recent problem. And that, that's, it also, um, I'm really struggling to write any meta because of it. Because every time I come on something that I want to write about, my first... How will everybody react to this? And how much, how many like angry emails am I going to have to sort through because my opinion is slightly to the left or to the right of what people consider the median? And this isn't hyperbole. I mean, Elizabeth, you and I, and I think Sahara, you and I talked about this too. There was this brouhaha with freaking auto straddle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because they left uh, Clark Griffin off of a character list fandom blew up and the writer of that list is like i can't talk about this show either way without y'all jumping down my throat (laughs) i have to admit like basically the way the editors explained it was that clark had been included in the the list originally and the editor had sort of made the decision where it's like well every other time we have ever said anything about this show regardless of character regardless of context a certain fandom 
has descended upon the comment section like a plague and made and ruined everybody's fun. And I get that because we have that same issue. Now, Gretchen, she writes great recaps for this. I love reading Gretchen's analysis on this. But when we do interviews with other actresses who are in no way related to certain fandom ships, we get this onslaught of, I don't know, discourse. Dun, dun, dun. Inappropriate, inappropriately combative comments. Right. And it's stuff that, like, we never even hinted at in our interviews. So, I mean, I definitely see where auto straddle's coming from. And we just get this on, like, actress interviews. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of it is, like, we're at this height of people are separate from each other in certain fandoms. Like, certain fandoms mm-hmm. don't talk to each other. But then also this whole, since we've been talking about, like, high school, like, we don't want to share our sandbox or our, <laughs> like, ball pit because... Like, God forbid we talk about other shows. Like, we only can focus on one show, and we can only, like, beat the same dead horse, even though with some fandoms it's been years since whatever the dead horse is has died. Like, we just got to let go of some of them and just bury it and move on and stop having the same echo chamber of Discourse TM because we're not actually moving anything forward, and we're not making it easy for creators, I think especially when it comes to the kind of stuff we want to see. Like, we're not making it easy for them to even want to try yeah, guys. I think that's a big part. Emily Andress, you guys need to be a little like chill. Like, give the woman some breathing space. Like, she's under a lot of pressure already. We don't want our best. Our, we don't want our best ally in a creator to burn out like we are. Um, but I think I mean, that's. I think that's one aspect that Sahara just talked about. We have several points we want to talk on, and I think that's one Sahara talked about. I know. Personally, Sahar wrote um, an article because there was some more discourse, TM, about Black Lightning (laughs) with ostensibly white WLW fans being like, I don't know if I trust the CW or not. I don't know if I'd watch Black (laughs) Lightning. And Sahar did a great job breaking down, like, whether you understand this or not, you're being kind of racist, please stop. Right. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, we have some points, and that's kind of works into it. So, I think before we get too into the weeds, we may want to go down and like lay out the issues. <laughs> okay, Corey, you're good at staying on topic. Where would you like to start? Okay, this is one that I have an issue with, um, and I've talked about this to both of you guys. Um, I know for me it's a little bit different just because I am, like, super white passing, but I am still white passing. And I know I've talked to Sahara about this before with identities, and I know I've talked to you, Elizabeth, about this before with, like, other sets of identities. Mm-hmm. And I get really – I'm going to be blunt. I get really fucking pissed that there's this tone on online discourse that can make saying something – I'm pissed that I have to say this, but there's such a thing as excessive intersectionality when you're only (laughs) using this to win a fight over somebody else. Like, you're trying to prove who is the most tolerant. Like, our identities (laughs) should not be metaphorical bullets in a metaphorical fandom gunfight. To back that up, I have a wonderful tweet that I think will 
put this even into more perspective. And this yes. is from someone um, named, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Lamata Kama, but it came across my Twitter feed, and I just, when we were talking about this, I knew I had to bring it up. Quote, Kimberly Crenshaw, mother of the term intersectionality, has said multiple times that it's a systemic analysis tool, not a method of stacking identities like Yu-Gi-Oh cards so you can be an <laughs> asshole and pull gotchas. Knock it off. Because I think when people are trying to do what Corey just said, like the excessive intersectionality, it's not even about intersectionality because that's a theory. That's not like a thing you can be. It's about excessive inclusiveness where like we go down a list and check off every kind of like identity factor. And while people like that exist on this planet, like you don't need to pull away from one character who has a bunch of different identities and be like, well, why can't they also be X? Like, let us all play in the sandbox. It makes it feel a little disingenuous, too. Right. Because, like, like I'm on the spectrum, my girlfriend's on the spectrum. We both like to be included in things, you know, that's just, I feel like most people do. But right. if you're only saying, oh, this character is autistic, because you feel like you're going to earn more points for adding another, another, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Disadvantage tag uh, <laughs> to this person to give them, like, an- especially if it's done specifically to cause conflict with other characters, please don't right. do that. Right. It it just like it doesn't feel great, man. <laughs> don't don't use don't use other people as ammo in your fight. Yeah, I mean, and this is uh, you know part of the reason I wanted Sahara to come on this as well because you know you and I talking about this, Elizabeth. I'm sure it's easy for it to be like, oh well, okay, they're two ostensibly white ladies. Yes. Um. So I really wanted Sahara to be able to be part of this conversation and give her perspective on this as well yes so sahar i mean i agree with everything you guys said i definitely am on the same page i think part of it is that we so again going back to kimberly crenshaw so this is a black woman scholar who has coined this term along with some other folks who have built off of it and given us an awesome theory to use but then we do this thing where it's like let's just use other people's work and then start turning it into like a game of battleship where it's like, yeah. oh, this character is a white gay woman, and so that's not cool that we also don't have characters who are South Asian gay women. And it's like, we can have all of them and have different characters in different shows. Like, there, it's impossible to have one show with every single kind of person because then you would literally need a show of seven billion plus people. Mm-hmm. So we have to give the space, we have to give writers and creators the space to actually give us their creations, but I also think something that I was thinking about, too, is that, like, we feel so entitled because of social media. At the end of the day, and, like, as much as this pisses people off, creators are doing things because they want to and they love their art, but also it's because the TV networks need to provide something so that advertisers get a product, and their Mm -hmm. product is the audience. Like, ultimately we need to just be excited about what we're getting and push people to do better, but not again, turn it into this like gotcha catch all game of, well, this show doesn't have, or this fandom doesn't have um, a character with like 12 identity factors. So therefore it's terrible. And I think at a point you just made important is they're making their art. You know, I have seen before like on fanfic with fanfic authors, where people come in and like, well, I think you should do this, and I didn't really like this. And fanfic authors, rightfully so, when somebody's being an entitled little shit, it's like, dude, I'm writing this for me. Right. It's fanfic. fanfic. That's literally all it is. <laughs> right. So you are beholden if, to nobody if you write fanfic. So if you are that 
you know, and I'm not saying wrongly, but if you're that defensive on your creation, then should we not at least give the creators a little bit of understanding on like, yeah, this is still their baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you you're know, allowed obvious... to tell your own. Go ahead. I was going to just say you're allowed to tell your own story. Mm-hmm. Like that's a big factor. So especially when you have a creator who actually is whatever it is that they're creating, you also have to remember, keep that in mind too. I feel like sometimes we sort of lose that, that usually there's a reason that this, this author is telling this story. Right. I think one day at a time is a really good example. The people writing that show are reflective of the characters they're writing about. Mm-hmm. And that means it's amazing. Right. And then those characters, like, I mean, not that I've seen much discourse about one day at a time, because truly that show is like, honestly, one of the better shows I've seen in my life. And I've seen over 300. But it's one of those things where, like, why would I be mad about Gloria or Mike, who are the executive showrunners, or the writers writing about their lives? Like, that is their real lived reality. Now, it'd be one thing if they were writing stuff that was, on per- like, actively harmful, but that's not what fandom is doing right now. Most of it isn't going after... Going after is a terrible way of saying it, but, like, it's not like we're having conversations with writers to be like, hey, like, that character development that you've shown is harmful because X. It's just we're mad that it's not going our way even though we don't pay their salary. And even if we did, we still don't have the, like we're not entitled to their work and telling them what to do. Yeah. Right. And I think there's the clear difference. Um, You know, we're not saying we shouldn't talk about these things, especially when they are problematic. Um, You know, and for some people, it's just flat out ignorance. Like they don't know. And I think, you know, we should be trying to educate creators who step in something unintentionally and also pointing stuff out. But you know, when it's not a case of that and it's just a matter of, well, it's not excessive inter- intersectionality and there's not enough points on here and it's not TM tolerant enough, you know, like, can we let people fucking live? <laughs> I think what, Elizabeth, what'd you call them? The discourse clause? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, can we let people be happy before, you know, digging in with the discourse clause? Because yeah. it may not reflect everybody, but it does reflect people. And when we go after this stuff and we start saying it's not good enough, it's not good enough. And especially when we're doing it just for, like, to score easy points online in fights. I mean, we're invalidating other people. Yeah. I'll be agreed. Go ahead. I think she was. No, there. I was just gonna. I was just gonna say that I agree with that because I think, and it's hard too because obviously I think one of the things too is that like the louder voices are what get heard the most, and with Twitter I think especially there's there's this different kind of echo chamber with Twitter than there is necessarily with Tumblr because more creators are on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So as far as like the stuff that I've seen, a lot of it turns into like a, an author of something or creator of something will respond to one specific question, but then it gets retweeted <laughs> and then. It's like a game of telephone. And yeah, 10 minutes right. later, we're like, wait, so what was the author actually responding to? And a good chunk of the time, what they were responding to was an issue. And people are like, hey, like, this is what was the problem. But most of the time, it's a terrible game of telephone. And it's like, this author saying we should murder children. And it's like, no, that's <laughs> not at all what was happening. <laughs> so, like, do some investigative work, maybe. And just, like, read what was actually being talked about. I don't know. Right. Well, this I think so... this... Go ahead, Elizabeth. It's so weird to me that you were taught that you need to verify and cite sources as early as middle middle school, and yet every and many of the people who participate. I'm serious about this. Many, yeah. 
Many people who participate in in the discourse are academics, and you can just tell by their vocabulary and the way that they write that they must be in college. And then you have somebody who writes a 10K word essay about something that was blatantly false, and you're just like, all you had to do was click the link and read the article yourself, and now you look like a fool. Right. But of course, if you point that out, then you're the bad guy. Well, and I, I do want to kind of lead into our next point, um, because we talked about let people enjoy something before we dig in with a discourse clause. And this is something Elizabeth said before, and I wholeheartedly agree with her. You know, just because you didn't like it doesn't mean you need to say it's bad. <laughs> I'm so tired of this, you guys. I mean, Elizabeth, I'm going to let you take over on this one. Okay. I know that this is like my hill to die on, but Supergirl, <laughs> Supergirl is not a bad show. And if you just looked into the Tumblr, the Tumblr perception of the show, you would assume that Mon L was a physically abusive monster. Now, he is a douche. And he's, like, a douche in that frat boy way where he's, like, not completely hopeless, but, like, you require, like, a sort of a Sisyphean patience to deal with him. You know, like, and sometimes you just don't want to deal with him. It's like, why push the boulder up the hill today? I'll just have to do it tomorrow. That's not a great character, and I get why people don't like him. But that doesn't mean that the show is bad or problematic. He's just a douche. And if you've ever been friends with a woman who likes men, she's probably dated a guy like this who isn't really that bad, but you kind of still don't like him. That being said, like, the show is not perfect. The pacing is wonky. It's got, like, it's, it doesn't really seem to know what to do with the large ensemble cast, etc., etc. But the show isn't a bad show. And I'm really tired of how, like, I feel like anytime I say anything about it, I have to get up on a platform and explain why the show isn't bad and also why people who ship non-canon ships should not say the show is bad just because they didn't get their ship. But here's the thing, Elizabeth. There is a show is very popular in WLW culture that you absolutely can't stand. But I have <laughs> never, I have never seen you go off on a tangent about how you think this publicly about how you think this show is shit i feel like i'm coming out of the closet again okay i don't like winona earp there i said it. <sighs> i don't either so you're in good company okay <laughs> oh, i feel so much better okay i think okay the show the show is incredibly gruesomely violent and i like that in some context because i still like the hundred which again i it doesn't make me a bad lesbian it just makes me a lesbian with an opinion um, uh, and I find Nicole and Waverly to be, like, they feel really young to me. They feel like they're a decade younger than I am. And I don't know if it's the writing or the acting or whatnot. It's just there's something about them that I just do not find them relatable. Then the first season, I really liked Winona, but then she got pregnant in the second season, and I'm like, and the relatability factor just nosedived. It's and not you, a bad show. Yeah, and you you but... said before, you understand, that was really unavoidable. It's just yeah. not for you. Well, it's like Scrifano got pregnant. What are you going to do? You write it into the script or you have her disappear for a season. That's just, you know, it happens. It happened on Lost Girl, too, with Anna Silk. You know, you, under, you have to be understanding. Mm -hmm. But, like, I just, I don't like the show. And the more that people tell me I should, the more it makes me dislike it. Because, you know, that's just human nature. But... Like, it's not a bad show. It's just not for me. It's not my genre. It's, you know, the the queer characters' arc, their arc is not relatable to me, so that's just it. But, like, Supergirl is. Alex Danvers is probably one of the most relatable characters I've ever seen on television. Right, but the point being, 
is that you're not wading in on Tumblr and I don't know if they're on Reddit or Twitter and being like, why not Earp is terrible. You should hate it. Blah, blah, blah. So-and-so is a cheerial, a cheerial, serial cheater and abusive. I'm making my own slang here. Um, yeah, but you can, can go on the online social media sphere and just constantly <laughs> run down Winona Earp. You, uh, you, you're like, this isn't for me. Okay, whatever. I don't have to engage with it. Yeah, and when like when Maggie Sawyer left Supergirl, a whole bunch of people are like, "You should drop Supergirl and watch Winona Earp instead." And I'm like, there could not possibly be two shows that had different, more drastically different tones than Supergirl and Winona Earp. Okay. You cannot. Can we pause for just a second? Sure. Um, there has been a lot of brouhaha. I don't know why I'm using that word so much today. Um, over the word. whole Floriana Lima leaving. And if we could just have Sahar explain how that works. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, yes, please. Okay. So she left because she wanted to leave. They did not. She's got a decide. new series. She's working, yeah. on, uh, she's working on the Netflix show, which won the Defenders, right? Uh, Luke Cage. Mm-hmm. Luke Cage, I'm sorry. She's going to be on that show. She wanted to leave because for her, the amount of lines she was given, I mean, I don't know, I'm just assuming, but whatever it was, she it wasn't working out for her, so she left. And then everyone went apeshit. And yeah. is there discussion to be had about how certain writers handled certain arcs of that show, specifically in context of AK being fired? Absolutely. But that has nothing to do with Floriana Lima deciding to leave. And for people who are like, bring back Sanvers, Bring back Maggie. Like, that's not how TV works. Yeah, Lima's gone. Lima's gone forever. She's not coming back. You're just going to have to get over it. The one other thing I wanted to add real quick, too, (laughs) (laughs) is that, like, there's a huge difference between art being bad because it's just bad art and, like, certain aspects of certain shows and fic and things that we interact with having issues. I don't like the term problematic because it's just, it's not descriptive. (laughs) It's become part of the discourse. Right. And so it's like, been sucked of all meaning. Right. So when there's an issue with a show, just say what that issue is. Are there shows where everything but like one episode is great because that episode ends up being hella racist? Absolutely. You could just say this episode was racist doesn't mean that I still don't enjoy the show. And the other thing that's really important to understand is there are 7 billion people on this planet and we all have different limits. I personally yes. cannot interact with things that have like, if the person involved ends up being revealed to be an abuser or someone who's been related, like, alleged sexual assault, I just can't get into that show. But Same. that show may still mean something to a person, and I'm not going to be mad at that person. I'm just going to be like, hey, like, I cannot engage with it. Leave me out of it. It should not be that hard. Pretty Unless much, Unless the yeah. show is, like, straight up, like, hey, all of you should be serial killers. Obviously, I don't want anyone watching that. That's bad. Don't do that. But we don't have that on TV. <laughs> so I think we're what? okay for the most part. What'd she say? Sorry. I said, um, unless it's like a show about telling everyone to be serial killers, because that's bad. Oh, Don't do that. Well, yeah. Yes. No, that would probably but, be like... bad. <laughs> I mean, that's a really good point, though. I mean, it shouldn't be hard just to say, this isn't for me. I can recognize it is for other people, and I need to not insert myself above them. Right. And if something was previously for you and is now for more people, say, for example, Star Wars, 
Um, that's not a crime against you. That just means that the universe is being expanded to include a larger fan base. Because remember, the purpose of mass media is to make money. And you are essentially cutting into your potential profits, especially for something so broad as Star Wars, if you can't make it appeal to more than one group. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, here's the thing. Half of the world's population are somewhere identifying as women. And guess what? We have money. We have money we spend. <laughs> Here's Please another take thing. Our money. A lot of the world's population ain't white. They have money they want to spend. <laughs> yes. Look at Black Panther. Yeah. Right. It's already hit it just, over, what was it? It's past a billion. Yeah. It, there it's is past a market a billion. For It's now this. the ninth highest grossing movie of all time. Yeah, there's a market for this. You have to be fucking stupid <laughs> and just absolutely up your ass or or like hate making money to be like I should just stick with this one demographic even though every empirical trend tells me that the way towards more money is opening it up yep or you know Marvel Comics yep. <clears throat> whatever <laughs> I think that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier in context of like they're create like the writers for these things and like the directors like think of wrinkle of time right like avada renee is absolutely writing or directed this movie because she knew that like one there's a market for it but two like it was beyond time to just have a movie that looks like that for kids who can mm. look up to it but also the actual like the things funding these movies they don't actually care they just want to make money so like yep. like you just have to remember that <laughs> this is why sahara does all of our tv like actual inner working stuff <laughs> um let's move on to our next point though this one is also something elizabeth really talked on um about you know if you ha if you're going to critique something in good faith you know you actually have to consume the thing you're going to critique <laughs> i wrote an entire article about this yeah <laughs> and i was really nice in that article um, and this was actually pro about the top of 2017, and the reason why I wrote it is because I started to see a trend, and that trend is exactly what we're talking about today. Um, but or it's related to it. So I actually have a huge issue with, if you're going to get really into the discourse, you have to have actually watched the show. And I don't mean you went to YouTube and watched the clips of whatever ship it is that you actually like and nothing else, and then proceeded to review an entire episode. This is mm -hmm. unacceptable. Well, and I think, um, Kai, Kay, we had an article not too long ago about when people who are in a quote-unquote migratory fandom, if you're coming into a new show, you can't just go in for the only bits you like on that show. You have to look at that show's canon. I mean, that show existed before you. They're going to exist ostensibly after you they're not doing this for you you just kind of dumped yourself in on it especially if you're migrating from a different genre right. oh yes and the queer and i understand like why this kai, happens with queer sorry. Kai genre and the gay migration we'll link that into our um article for this yes and I understand why it happens with queer fandom so much, because it used to be that we really didn't have the ability to be picky about what genre something is. But now we do, and so, like, it's weird that we still have this sort of standard where when we're introducing shows, the first thing that we say is, it has lesbians in it. Because that is, like, 
I mean, at one point, probably, I would say even like five or six years ago, that would be enough to get me to sit down and watch something that was even like really out of my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. But now, I'm just like, no, I have Supergirl and Black Lightning. I like those. I, I don't really feel the ne the need to watch Winona Earp because it's a horror. It's essentially a horror genre. But like, it's great that I have the option to say that. That look, yeah. I have this thing that I like, and I can just watch this. I don't have to occupy another genre and another. And that's the other thing is like, when you do this, you have to be aware of ha what you're demanding from the show. Like, if you if you move into a fandom with a if you move into a genre that is known for killing off characters at random. You need to be aware that there's a possibility that your favorite characters are going to be killed off because these are the rules that this genre operates on. Mm. Or, if you're a grown-ass adult, don't go into kids' shows expecting certain things to happen. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, um, that too. That's a very good point. Um, there's a couple of fandoms. Steven Universe, we could just say it. Steven Universe is written for Steven. Like, that's just, that's sort of the show's methodology is that everything is about Steven. We, we can do an entire series breaking down <laughs> Steven Universe. I don't think we have time here to get into that. But yes, look at the audience right. that you're going into. And if it's kids, um, you know, like, take a seat. Take several seats and just sit down and enjoy it. Because it's for kids. It's not for you. Yes. You can enjoy it, but it's not made for you. Anyways, uh, there was there was an example Elizabeth gave for this. Um, if you haven't watched the show, you're no better than... Um, if you haven't watched the show, you're no better than that straight white guy in every humanities lecture who raises his hand <laughs> and says something along the lines of, as a straight man who has never watched a piece of queer cinema in my life, let me explain why it's not necessary. Yeah, the last part of that is, is varied, but depending on like what class it is, but the sentence always starts with, well, as a straight dude... <laughs> And then every every person who is not a straight dude in the class just sort of leans back in their chair and their eyes hit the ceiling. I don't um, actually know. Have you guys seen the Time article that just came out about uh, whether we need Love, Simon or not? Yes. Oh, my God. That's a really good example. Now, I don't know if the writer is straight. I shouldn't assume. But also, like, literally, like, just stop. Just let people enjoy their stuff. Yeah, it's... I don't know. It's weird. It's weird that people find the necessity to do this. Like, it's like, is Love, Simon really necessary? And I'm just like, if you got okay, question, yeah. Well, I yeah, saw also was, like um, the React channel from the Fine Brothers, they did adults react to Love, Simon, and they actually took them to an early screening. And there was an older lesbian. She said, I came out in 1990, and to think just 27 years later, we mm -hmm. did a movie about this. So, yeah. yeah. Obviously, we still need it. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go see it. This is, I, I mean, granted, I'd be happier if it were if it were two girls, but, like, that'll be I will next go see if it this right film does I'm world. I'm done watching Tomb Raider. Yes. <laughs> Another film that's currently getting, getting beaten around by the discourse. Maybe we should watch it first and see if it's any good. Yeah, probably. I, and I think Love, Simon is a good example of, like, there is a time and place to discuss, like, who the main character of that is, but also it's based off of a book. 
The mm-hmm. love interest is played by a biracial black man. Like, we can have the discussion, but we can also be really excited that there's finally, like, what and from And it's directed all purposes, by a gay man. Right, mm-hmm. and, like, what from all purposes generally does look like an awesome movie with a good story that is really necessary for a lot of parents. And it's not, dare I say it, what we all think is, like, the best thing ever. Well, I don't personally, but, like, everyone was always like, well, Glee already happened or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but also there's always room for more. So yeah, yeah. well, I have you seen that. the orange orangutan that's our president right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah he, I would be okay if Glee came back at this point. Also, Glee, Glee is so problematic in so many ways. I know we hate that word, but, like, there's no other word for no, it. Glee is, that is, Glee is like the... Yeah, Glee is an absolute mess, and that's isn't because, you know... why you wrote this article in the first place, isn't it? Yes! It was because I had started rewatching <laughs> Glee, and it was a way to, like, sort of... Because, ex- like, my larger point was sort of, like, we need to have a, his- a historical background on this media, but also we need to recognize when something is problematic. But the problem is we're going too far in the other direction. It's like nuance doesn't exist. Well... But, okay, here's the thing. We need to go on to the next point because mm-hmm. we're really good and happy about talking about this stuff, but we only have so much time. Um, yes. Not celebrating the baby steps between the bigger breakthroughs means the bigger breakthroughs don't happen. And I think, like what I said about that older lesbian who came out in 1990, mm-hmm. she's like, there was no protections for us. And now she is just in awe that Love, Simon is being made. You know, I can't imagine to, a film like this being made when I was to in get high Black Lightning. We first got we had to get through Error, or sorry, <laughs> Arrow, then Flash and Supergirl. <laughs> Error, Error indeed. But it led up to us getting Black Lightning. Yeah, yeah, and for each of those shows, they took another chance on something. Like if you think, because I feel like people forget that about Sarah Lance was actually in Arrow. Her and um, Ra's al Ghul's daughter, right? Mm-hmm. You can tell yeah. I don't watch Arrow. But, like, that was a big deal when it happened. It doesn't seem like much now, but it was... And then also, like, they buried their gay, and then two shows later went, well, that was probably a mistake, and then they unburied their gay and made her the star of Legends of Tomorrow. I, so there's clear forward saying, momentum like, here. It's one of the few shows or in-universe things I've seen where they're like, yeah, we fucked that up. How can we fix it? Oh, wait, we're comic genre. Let's just resurrect her. Yeah, no one's ever really dead in comics. There's yeah. nowhere in any TV these days. <laughs> but, you know, that led to us, and now we've got Black Lightning. And, you know, this is obviously Sahara's specialty. Cause she I love this show. Us. Everyone needs to watch it. The end. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. <laughs> but you even have, you know, and I've seen parts of fandom... That are saying, oh, well, Anissa was a cheater, or Anissa's bad, and Grace isn't this, and I'm just like, are you fucking kidding me? We have a bulletproof black lesbian superhero. (laughs) And you're... Well, and it's this this whole performative, I need everything to be perfect. First of all, humans are not perfect. Literally no media will ever be perfect, and you can absolutely push creators to do better if they fuck up. But if they have not fucked up yet, and if what they have fucked up is not what you're talking about, then you're just a shitty person who needs to get over yourself. Sorry, that's mean. You just need to re 
establish how you interact with media. I'll say that. Because Hashtag are there things to be because yeah. <laughs> are there things I'm frustrated about frustrated by in Black Lightning? Absolutely. But also it's the first season and there's still half a season to go. And I will write my full length essay about things I don't like after the show has aired. Like I need to give it time to happen. And I can also win my reviews, which I do, I'll be like, here's a point of something that I'm worried about. We'll come back to it after it's been fully you know, fully happened in the show. Because I don't know what's happening because I'm not a mind reader or a future teller. Although that would make life really easy and I would probably make a lot of money. But anyways, I digress. Okay. Yeah. Uh, can we move on to our next point? Because I want to make sure we have time to talk about this one because this one's a lot to unpack. Yeah. Okay. Head cannons and fanfic that treat minority inclusion like diversity points checklists. They're not positive representation. I mean, they're just not. They're tokenizing, and being included badly often feels even worse than not being included at all. I'm going to open up the floor to you two. Gold I'll star. Let you guys start. I'll let you guys start on this one. Sahara, it's your turn. <laughs> okay, well, here's a good example. Charmed casting news, or excuse me, let me take the back. The casting taglines for Charmed came out, and I actually was slightly guilty of this, where I was like, oh my god, what if one sister was X identity, or one sister was Y identity, and one sister was Z identity? And surprisingly enough, it kind of happened that way, because we got two Latina sisters and an Afro-Latina sister. However, Sahara and I were, like, tracking this, and we couldn't actually believe it happened, and that will never probably happen (laughs) again, but still. Right. Um, the one thing, though, about that that's really important is while it's awesome that we have characters that look a certain way and are described a certain way, personally, for me, something that's really, really important, and this goes back to what I said about one day at a time, if the writer's room, if the show is picked up, because let's be honest, when it's picked up, actually, the writer's room needs to look like the characters, because, again, you have to write to your experience, and though you can write to other people's experiences, you do better when it's your own. But if I had just kept going and being like, well, what if this sister, so Mel, is, is going to be a lesbian? Well, what if Mel is a trans lesbian? That would be great and would be really cool. But just because I want that out of, like, a need for characters with, like, overlapping identities doesn't make me or the people writing it any better than the person who's just like, well, none of these characters need to exist because real life doesn't look like that. Like, we can't just, like, check, again, we can't just check off boxes because we want our characters to look a certain way like we also need to write reality in a way that's realistic to those characters that we've already written a certain way if that made any sense it does yeah okay cool (laughs) elizabeth yeah no my my particular issue is with things done badly especially like my my push button thing is the people on the spectrum and mental illness so if like, just an FYI, autistics are not, like, innocent little butterfly people who think that everything is sunshine and roses. Yeah, Elizabeth, we are... I love you, but you're an asshole. I know. I, actually, that's so funny to me that often autistics are characterized as sunshine characters in fanfic because we are often assholes. Not that we necessarily mean to be, but, you know, part of the disorder is being socially inhibited and not understanding social cues. And so, you know, it's the reason why a lot of autistics attach to characters like Peridot, because she's insulting, but you know that she doesn't mean to be. And that's kind of like what that's closer to the experience than somebody just being innocent and not understanding how social cues work in a childish way. There's a big difference between these two things. Sure. I think, I think 
what especially what you're talking about is it's in, in, infantilizing. Yes, it's infantilizing, and I realize that a lot of this is because a lot of the media that talks about autism, it's parents talking about their children. I can't tell if you can hear me, but I'm snapping so hard. Yeah. 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 Like, it's just... And like, and I get, like I said, I get why most of it is about children because the disorder is particularly difficult on parents. I mean, it's right. difficult on the children too. But like, you have to acknowledge both sides. Sahara, but, I'm so I'm kind of salty. You forgot to put batteries in your haram button. Oh my gosh! <laughs> okay, for her birthday, I got her a button that she could program to say haram. <laughs> I mean, I can go get it right now. Point. But I don't know if you. You guys would be able to hear it, but I can absolutely go get it. It's sitting on my dresser. Okay. <laughs> no, I think we're running low on time. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Next time I'll bring it. Yes. Yes. But yeah, um, so and like, if you want, if you want to write these things well, you either need to ha- know a person in real life who is on the spectrum. I'm just using this as an example. Mm-hmm. You need to work with people who are on the spectrum, or you need to be on the spectrum, or you need to have a family member who is on the spectrum or someone you love, like. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be writing from your experience personally, but say for instance, the person who wrote the book that Love, Simon is based on, mm-hmm. they're not gay, but they work with gay teenagers. Right. And that is, that is, in my mind, that is an acceptable amount of experience with the topic. Well, it's the same thing, like if you're writing about, you know, someone's ethnicity that you're not, you know, uh, I think an easily recognizable is if somebody who is not latinx tries to write a latinx character and you get this really kind of cringy spanglish stereotyping mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know put the time in there do it right because if somebody were going to write about your identity and they did some kind of hackney-eyed butcher job you really probably wouldn't appreciate that you know, yeah. none of us like the predatory lesbian trope or the uh, slutty bisexual trope. Right. And people who are not <laughs> queer write about us. So, you know, let's take that feeling and let's apply it further. So, you know, we can be like, hey, we need to be better because we don't like when this happens to us. Yeah. Beta and sensitivity readers are your best friends. Yep. Speaking. Speaking like of that, which, that especially. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm going to jump ahead to our next topic. Like, your sensitivity readers, your betas, even just other friends. Um, yeah. We need, and this is going to be a big point of contention, I know it is. We need to stop alienating potential allies. Yeah. By replying really, like, snootily to questions that they're asking in good faith. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, Sometimes, especially when you're online and you don't have these, like, verbal or visual cues, I get it. It is hard to tell. And it can be annoying. But, you know, when people are legitimately asking this stuff, because, let's face it, I don't want someone going on freaking YouTube, home of the alt-right trolls, trying to find stuff about feminism or social justice and then going down an alt-right Nazi rabbit hole. Yeah. The algorithm that almost guarantees that that will happen. You know, I would rather, you know, if they're trying to learn, I would rather, you know, be like, hey, I don't exactly have a lot of time right now, but here's some resources you can use to brush up on this. You, well, you, you know, don't we even... can at least do that. 
you don't even have to give them specific resources. Sometimes all it takes is just telling them what to Google. Just say, like, for example, like, Google the Autism Self-Advocacy Network. That's it. That's all you have to say. Mm-hmm. Because the Self-Advocacy Network is a good organization. Yeah. And you can even tell them, like, stay away from Autism Speaks, look up the Autism Self-Advocacy Network. That's it. That's all you have to say. You don't have to go cite the sources for them. You don't have to go find all the links. Just say, here is the direction you're supposed to be going in. Because if the person is genuinely interested in learning, they will then go do exactly what you told them to do. If not, then they'll demand more information from you, and that's when you know that you've got an angry seal and you can ignore them. Yes. And I feel like for the most part, you can tell... I mean, again, it is hard, but I think that most of the time you can tell what's good faith. When someone asks me if I shower with my hijab on, I generally am just like, do you want to rephrase that question and see what they say? But if they're just like, can you give me more information on, like, why you wear hijab? I'll be like, sure, like... Here's this article. Once you've read that, come back to me and I'll totally talk to you about my own personal feelings. And the other thing that's really cool about the internet is that you can pause a conversation and come back to it. I think sometimes it gets really easy to be like, oh, well, if I don't respond right now, they'll be salty. Well, if they're salty, then you already know that they weren't asking good faith. And if they're not salty, just go back to the conversation later. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of different questions out there that, because we're a big, broad, we're not a monolithic horde. You know, right. we have women of color, we have women of different religions, we have, like, everything under the sun, under, like, women's queer community flag, whatever. And, you know, nobody is going to know everything. So, let's, don't be a dick. Like, literally, just People don't, don't be like it when you're mean to them. Yeah, I know. Shocking. But also, <laughs> also, speaking of that, let's round into our final point today. You mm-hmm. personally are allowed to say, I don't know enough about this topic to talk about it or write about it well. You can say please that do and get sit in the down. Habit. Yeah, please do get in the habit of saying that if you genuinely don't have enough information to have an informed opinion. Because a lot of problems with how we discuss, I don't know, things in general, or I mean, especially certain people, but you feel pressured to have an opinion on something because if you don't, then it makes you look like you were uninformed. And we need to get over this, uh, this mentality that it's bad to be uninformed. That just means that you need to learn. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. You aren't, you shouldn't be expected to just know things. Especially because it's a lifelong process. Yeah, Even just nobody for your own... comes out of the womb, like, knowing everything and being perfect and absolutely, quote-unquote, woke. Right. Yeah. And if you don't know something, but you know someone else does, that's where you can elevate their voices and work with other people to make sure that, like, whatever thing you're talking about is inclusive, whether it's, like, fanfic or, like, whatever. Yeah. And when we, when people talk about intersectionality, there's, there's the term as it's used as a systemic analysis tool, which is more like a sociology psychology thing. It's more of a way, it's essentially meant to be a way to explain how different diversity tags interact with each other. It's closer to a diagnostic tool than it is to a literary device. But also in this way, intersectionality can be used to mean we, rely on the resources of other people in order to make ourselves more intersectional. It takes a village. Also, also, here's the thing. Sometimes you're just not going to be in a position where your opinion means jack shit. 
Yeah. That is a very good point. Um, this is something Sahara and I were talking about. Uh, with the shape of water, there is a very um, heated argument with people in a certain community over the portrayal of disabled persons in that film. And there are two different camps about that. And if you're not part of that community, you really do not need to be saying anything about it. You can sit and you can watch, but that needs to be intra-community, not inter-community. I have a suggestion. If you have to start your answer to a question with, I am not part of this community, but maybe take like an extra day to think about how necessary your your input is. Right. That's a good way of knowing whether or not you really should think twice about whether or not you should be speaking on this topic. You are allowed to have an opinion, but I'm talking about more like whether or not you need to write a Tumblr post about it. Mm -hmm. Or here's the thing. If it were, say, and I'm not trying to demonize white dudes here, but if it were a straight white dude weighing in, imagine yourself, would this opinion be welcome if it were coming from a straight white dude? <laughs> is it yeah. germane to this how would that go over with me and if you're like oh wait that's not germane to this then you need to ask yourself well wait is my commentary germane to this am I going to be doing the same thing would and I again, be better suited finding not all men you guys get what I'm saying right yeah. right it's like, would I be better suited going and finding a response from somebody else who is actually part of this community and then just linking to it? Because mm-hmm. honestly, that's less work. That's a lot less work than writing your own 5,000 word response. Just go find somebody who has a relevant answer and say, here. <laughs> well, I mean, it, and there's other fandom controversies that apply to this, too. I know, um, Sahar, you've written about Aladdin a lot. Yes. I All the time personally forever. have not online written about it because it's not technically apropos to me, but did I or did I not go to you and say, what do you think of this? Yes, basically. Yeah. And um, Corey has talked to me, Corey's talked to me about stuff with people on the spectrum on multiple occasions. Yeah, but, you know, before it's, it's I relevant. write stuff, I'll go to Elizabeth and be like, hey... Is this appropriate? Did I accidentally say something offensive or imply something offensive that I didn't mean to? I know there was a Supergirl review where I accidentally implied something. I mean, it wasn't my intention at all. I just didn't know. That yeah, I it wasn't right. a problem. So, I, just know, edit, I just edited it. That's it. Yeah, you check these things. I don't feel bad for being like, hey, I don't know enough to write about this. Can you guys read this? You know, when people talk about native issues on the side, I've had people come to me, it's like, hey, is this offensive? And I'll be like, yeah, can we not write this? (laughs) Or, you know, no, that's a good point. Okay. It's okay to ask other people who are in that community what they think instead of opening mouth, insert own opinion. (laughs) <laughs> and fun. I also think too, like the shape of water is a good example. Just beyond anything, it is an intercommunity thing, and there's never going to be a true answer to some of the questions. But like, I don't need to pick an answer, and I don't need to pick a side because, like, I just need to be there to listen to people and make sure that I'm not speaking over them if I ever do speak on it. Mm-hmm. And that's with any any situation. Like, you are not going to know everything, and you're not going to be again. It is impossible 
to be all of the multiple universe. I, let me rephrase that. It's impossible to be all of the different identities that can exist in this universe you that we even know of right now. For everyone. Right. Even on exactly. a show like Grey's Anatomy that's run for, like, what, 15 years now? Like, even right. a show like that can't possibly cover every possible corner, and they have, like, the best odds, because, you know, the cast changes every three years. Right. So if, if Grey's can't do it, then why are you expecting everyone else to do it? Right. Also, I want to reiterate, don't expect it from a children's show. Yes. <laughs> that uh, might actually be an upcoming topic. We'll probably be talking about expect. Steven Universe in the near future, just because there is yeah. so much to unpack there. It's a great study into a lot of problems with fandom, but also a lot of things that I like about fandom, so I, we promise it won't be all just us being being salty. Right. Well, I think I think it's just about be- respecting people's spaces. Like, at the end of the day, like I can interact with Steven Universe or the last big one, My Little Pony or whatever, or Teen Titans, but still realize that I'm not the audience for that. And it doesn't matter who I'm, well, one, I'm not shipping kids, but who I'm interested in or who I care about or, like, what I identify with because it's not for me. Mm -hmm. And it is okay. And I think that everyone as a whole, with, I mean, we're all guilty, but, like, we just need to be able to let go of certain things that weren't made for us. It is all right. Also, like, don't be afraid to actually have your fandom space be enjoyable. Without the discourse. Like, fandom should be a place that we can go and enjoy and consume our media with people who enjoy it as much as we do. You know, it it doesn't need to be this minefield of, like, gotcha receipts and, you know, problematic TM bombs and discourse clause. Right. Yeah, you know, it's supposed to be a place where we can be with people who like stuff that we like, and we can talk about the stuff we like, and fangirl or fanboy over the stuff we like. Yeah, fandom is supposed to be a safe space, especially for for a wide wide arrangement of minorities. That a lot of the reason why we form fandoms is so we can find each other, and we need to not be alienating each other because we are a resource. Mm-hmm. We keep each other happy. We need to have that sense of community. So, with that being said, uh, we're pretty much out of time. Uh, Sahar, thanks oh, wow. again for thank you so much guesting in on this. And um, thanks for time, having me. Next time, bring your haram button. I can't wait. Yes, please. <laughs> it's it's beautiful. You'll love it. Um, we'll be back uh, next time regularly. Yes, next I time. think now that we've got this out of our system. Um, yes. <laughs> we'll be back next episode thanks for being patient with the wait and don't forget to uh, like and subscribe us on iTunes also don't forget to check out our other podcasts um, The Fundamentalists Unabashed Book Snobbery and Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics this is Ladies First thank you for sticking around for this entire ranty info dump and hopefully you got something out of this we'll see you next time